Hello and welcome into the Mavs Draft Podcast. Uh, my name is Jared Katz alongside Mr. Mavs Draft, Richard Stamen. How's it going, Richard? I'm doing all right. How about you? Doing well, because for the unprecedented second week in a row, we have a guest. We went from having zero to having one in back-to-back weeks. Uh, and I'm going to sound like Stephen A. Smith when I say this, but uh, Noah Rubenstein is a long, long-time close personal friend of mine. Uh, we go way back, uh, but I'm excited to have him on the podcast today. Uh, what's going on, Noah? Nothing much. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so so the reason we, we brought him on was Noah recently started writing for The Smoking Cuban, um, which is a, it's, it's a fan-sided uh, Mavs-based blog, right? Yep. Yeah, so, so good stuff on there if you're not reading any of that. Um, you can find a lot of good content there. Noah's already got, uh, you know, quite a few things in the works for you to check out. Um, you know, we'll we'll give him a chance to shout out his uh, his Twitter and all that towards the end. But um, so he he recently wrote up a a scouting report on Emmanuel Quickly, uh, the sophomore guard out of Kentucky, and I figured we could talk about him today. Um, he uh, he improved his numbers quite a bit between his freshman and sophomore year. Uh, this past year in 30 games, averaged 33 minutes a game. Yeah, 33 minutes a game, 42% from the field, 43% from three on about five uh, attempts per game, 92% from the line on five attempts per game, good for 16 points, four boards, two assists, and a steal per game. Um, so, Richard, do you kind of have any background knowledge on quickly? I know he was a pretty highly regarded recruit coming out. Yeah, so I, in preparation of this, I actually looked up his uh, profile on Kentucky's website. Uh, some pretty interesting stuff there. So you can play the saxophone and the drums. I don't know if this is uh, the background you're looking for. <laughs> My absolute favorite is his greatest fear in life is being average. So, <laughs> so the mindset is pretty uh, pretty good, I guess. <laughs> I had to share that. Like that was it was too good not to. But um, yeah, he's. He made a big jump his sophomore year. Last year, I was pretty down on him, but obviously he won SEC Player of the Year. So he had he had quite the year. He was probably Kentucky's best player, not necessarily best prospect, uh, but he was their best player this season. Yeah, put up put up more points per game than than Tyrese Maxey, who you know we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast. Um, you know, as a potential fit uh, in Dallas. Um, I also forgot to mention quickly, uh, I have him at 6'4", 188, and I've seen his wingspan listed anywhere from like 6'7 to 6'10, so uh, I just put him at 6'9, that's the most uh, consistent I'd found, uh, but either way, you're looking at a plus 4, plus 5 wingspan. Um, so Noah, when you kind of saw quickly play, what, what kind of role do you see him filling at the next level? So, it's... From what I've seen, it's all about the three. So he's going to stretch the floor. He seems to be able to find the right spaces in transition. So even though he doesn't have the ball, a lot of the times running the break, he knows like when I need to be on the wing, when he needs to be in the corner. And when he gets the ball, catch and shoot, he's really good. Um, He doesn't really seem to be able to create much for others or really off the dribble for himself very much. Like once he gets going, it's either I'm shooting this three or I'm barreling my way to the rim and hoping for the best, um, which is interesting. And you can see like his assists and turnovers weren't great, but 
with that wingspan, maybe you would like to see more steals, getting his hands in passing lanes more, but the rebounding and the increase in basically every stat show that he probably should continue to improve and the free throws make it seem like his uh, three-pointer should translate over. So basically being a floor spacer that you hope can be a decent defender as well. Richard, do you agree with that? Yeah, I have the defense as a swing factor. Like if the defense is good, he's probably going to outperform wherever he's drafted at that value. Uh, and if the defense is bad, you know, yeah, you're probably putting him in the, you know, specialist role offensively because he moves really well off ball. Like he gets, like you said, he gets to his spots. He knows how to read uh, defenses and how to kind of exploit them, especially off ball, I think. So I think you're at the least looking at a really good shooter and just general score, uh, maybe a bench spark, uh, spark plug kind of guy. So he's at least going to contribute. Like, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Like his, he has a safe floor, I would say. Yeah, and I, w- I would think NBA spacing is really going to help him at the next level because for whatever reason, Kentucky's offense went stagnant quite a bit last year, and you would see him try to relocate somewhere and nobody else is moving, and so he ends up going into the same corner as someone else. And that's not his fault. You know, he's expecting everyone else to, to rotate through the offense as well, and they just weren't. So, you know, I think that, that spacing and then having the uh, – um, you know, more opportunities for catch and shoot uh, because of that spacing will really help him out. Um, But let's talk about the jump shot. You know, obviously he shot better from three than from, you know, the field in general, uh, 42.8% and then 92.3% from, from the line. Um, And no, I was reading in your article, you you talked a lot about how, um, you know, the, the free throw percentage could end up being more of a correlating factor. So, um, you know, is it do you do you see the three point shot translating, you know, even though he kind of was average at best as a freshman? Yeah, I think over time it should project well. I mean, when you hear people talk about like Denny Avdia, for example, they freak out because his free throw percentage is awful and so they're scared about his threes. But I mean, it probably won't be 42, 43 percent right off the bat um, because that's insane anyways. But I think I think over time he should be okay as a shooter. And and Richard, when you know we talked about him a bit as a spot up, you know, catch and shoot, and and that's all well and good. Is this someone that you think can, you know, be be a shooter in all situations, like you're running him off screens and letting him shoot off movement, or um, do you think he's best more in just a catch and shoot role? I do think right now he's best in a catch-and-shoot role, but there have been times where I've seen him come off screens and be able to take the shot. I don't know if I want him doing that right away. Uh, it just doesn't look as smooth. Uh, like I'm still not sold on the jump shot form, which makes me think the jump shot can get way better uh, just because it's kind of awkward. So once he gets that, I think that opens up a lot of other areas. And, I mean, like you said, I mean, he can move off screens so well that eventually it's just going to come. Yeah, he, he comes off the screens well. My my biggest concern with that was he had trouble getting the shot off, even when it seemed like there was a little bit of space. And so I don't know if that was a confidence thing, if if they were, didn't want him to shoot in that situation, which I can't imagine because it, it kind of looked like that's what they drew it up for. Um, but, you know, you're, you're not going to, coming off those screens, you're not going to have all the time in the world to load up and get your shot off. 
So for me, that was a, a bit of a concern. Did you guys see that as well? Yeah, I kind of, I don't know if you guys felt this way, but I thought that he kind of had a low release point on his jump yeah. shot. Yeah. <clears throat> and then like you watched the Rockets last night and you're like, well, so does Eric Gordon. So like, does it matter? But like, I think that that could be a problem, like coming off those screens when guys are trailing him. If he has to, it's a lot easier to get a hand in the shot and bother it from that low release point. And I think Richard was talking about like, you're not still on the form. So like when he's open, and like, there's no doubt it's a good shot, but can he get it off is definitely a valid question. Yeah, and it was, I want to say the Ohio State game where it was him and Maxi in transition, and he uh, he goes to the corner and, you know, looks like he's got all the time in the world, and then he shoots and, and gets blocked on a transition three. And I think part of that had to do with the low release, and I think it's a little slow as well. Um, you know, which I think could be a problem for him, you know, as, as far as shooting off movement. Um, one thing I really liked about him was, was that little mid range floater he has, um, you know, do you think that's, that's a viable weapon for when he does get into the paint? I felt that he, he, when he used it, it was good, but it seemed to me that he was more trying to finish over people at times which he's a good free throw shooter, which is fine that he gets the line. But it, it, I don't know if he was, so, it didn't seem to me that he was so confident, like he was going to continue going back to that. I don't know if you, what. Yeah, he, so his numbers are like, I think the worst of any guard I have differential, uh, difference, excuse me, of free throw, or I'm sorry, three point percentage and finishing at the rim percentage. So like, I think uh, hoop math gave him 48% at the rim and he shoots 43% from the free th- or three point line. Uh, I don't know why I want to keep saying free throw line, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he does get there a good amount. Uh, I do think he has the best floater in the class, honestly. Uh, but like you said, I still don't know if he really uses it right. Like he, he's trying to, you know, it's not really an in-between move. It's kind of a finishing move for him, which I don't think you can say the same for Maxi, for example. Right. So, so let's talk about the finishing because obviously it's problematic. You know, that's part of the reason he shoots better from three than he does from the field in general. Um, you know, it for me, a lot of it's a strength issue. Um, you know, he's he's long, lanky, but you know, under 190 pounds, which I think for his body type is is light. Um, and and I don't know if adding strength is going to help him as a finisher but um you know is is this someone you you can see uh well well, I think the first problem is I don't think he has the the quick first step to get to the basket routinely to get in those situations where he can finish through traffic but when he's there is that something you ever see him doing with any sort of consistency finishing at the rim or putting on strength in order to finish at the rim Either, I guess. <laughs> to me, I think I agree with the the first step. Like, it seemed like the only way he was getting past people was they thought he was going to shoot and he just ripped throughs and goes right. And, like, right. if that's not there, then, like, what is he giving you off the dribble kind of thing? But I also think this he needs to put on the strength in order to make that defense maybe less of a swing factor because right now the amount of positions that he can guard is probably limited. And if he puts on 
more strength, upper body, whatever it is, he'll probably be able to guard more positions, which will earn him more minutes on the court with all the switches and everything going on. Um, but I don't know like if there's anything that points to me being able to say, yes, he'll be able to finish because I haven't seen it. Right. Yeah, and, and I, I do think a lot of it comes down to the strength. And I, actually, I am alone on the first step. I actually kind of liked it. It wasn't great. Like, I wouldn't call it, you know, a massive strength, but I thought it was, like, all right. Uh, but, again, a lot of it did come against closeouts, so maybe my perception was off on that uh, because that's where he uses it the most. He's not, you know, just going to take someone one-on-one from a standstill. Right, and I'm actually with you. I, I think, and, and Noah kind of touched on that as well, is, is the way he attacked those closeouts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was good to see him do that with confidence. Um, I just didn't see somebody who, uh, like you just said, would, would blow by somebody in a one-on-one situation. Um, and I don't think he has the ball handling to make up for that either. Right. And especially, like, you see, uh, like, some of the playoffs, how important one-on-one is. And it matters, you know, if you're going to want to get a higher ceiling, like, one-on-one play matters a lot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we touched on the scoring, probably not someone who's going to be much more than a, you know, three-point specialist at the next level. Um, you know, he, he might get, get some buckets off cuts here and there, but, um, you know, as a, as a passer, um, were you, you know, left wanting more somewhat impressed, you know, given he, he was never the lead guard, um, and, and Kentucky had quite a few between, you know, Maxie and Hagens. Um, so is that just a situation of him not getting the opportunity or, or do you think there, there was maybe a reason he didn't get those opportunities? I think it's a little bit of both. I think they used him as a scorer, but once he got, for me, it looked like once he got going downhill and didn't, I don't know if he was looking to pass or he just doesn't see it when he's like looking for that floater or it's like, he's catching it and he's ready to shoot. And so he's going to shoot and he's a good shooter. So they're going to let him shoot. I just didn't see a lot of court vision necessarily. I don't know if you guys did, though. Yeah, I mean, it's hard with Kentucky because, I mean, how often do we hear, you know, someone at Kentucky averages like two assists a game and then the NBA, they get, you know, they break out because he was playing essentially small forward. You said it, Jared. I mean, with Maxie and Hagens, those are the two guard spots. Like he was playing out of position. So I do wonder how much his play style that he had to adjust to. Uh, kind of like Noah said, I mean, how much does it affect his vision? Uh, so that one's an area that I had a hard time reading where, like, sometimes in the half court, he can make, you know, obviously he makes a simple pass, like, within the offense, but he's not going to go out of his way to find some cutter around the defense, you know. Like, he can't, he's not going to make advanced passes. He's also not going to make stupid passes. That's kind of what I thought as well. Um, and and he was willing to move the ball and, and wasn't taking too many risks, I, I think. When you look at the, you know, uh, occasional, you know, questionable IQ plays, it was all, you know, should you really have shot that? Like, you know, are, are we are we sure that you driving left and falling away from the basket from 15 feet away is a good shot? Like, you know, I, I'm not sure. But, um, you know, overall, um, you know, what what were your thoughts on kind of his basketball IQ from an offensive standpoint? I think we touched on this slightly earlier, but off the ball, I thought 
he like understood, okay, I need to be in the corner right now and I'm going to be able to hit a three from here. Um, and so that I thought was really good. I think again, like the on ball stuff, we are, we're not really seeing as much cause he's not the primary ball handler, or the primary guard, like creating the offense. He's more of, I'm going to stretch the floor for these other guys. So maybe that will be something we see if he's in a different role, but maybe that's just what he was. And so that's how he was used. Yeah, I'm pretty indifferent, and I think you said it best, Noah. I mean, the, the misuse, or not misuse, but I guess his play style uh, makes it really hard to read. But I'm indifferent, but I mean, with a guy whose initials are IQ, I'm going to lean that maybe he has some... Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm good for one cheesy uh, cheesy line. <laughs> well, so I, I, I didn't think it was going to go there. I thought you were going to make a quickly pun. No, I'm not, that's too low-hanging. I'd go for the second lowest hanging. <laughs> That's actually impressive. I'll give you that. <laughs> um, so uh, anything else offensively you guys wanted to touch on? All right. So, um, all right. So let's get to, you know, kind of how, how Richard phrased it, the maybe swing factor for him, which would be defense. Um, so, so let's start with on ball defense. Personally, I saw someone who, when he sat down in his stance, had the lateral mobility to stay with guys and and had no problem getting in the face of his man and suffocating him with that length. Um, and, and I actually kind of liked what I saw as an on-ball defender. But again, I think he's going to need to add strength if he wants to guard more than ones and smaller twos. Yeah, one thing that I think is interesting is that if you ever turn on any nationally televised Kentucky game, all you hear about is how great of a defender Ashton Hagens is. Like, that's all you hear about, which is fine. <laughs> but so, like, I think there's at times he might have not even been tasked with, like, the hardest defensive assignment in the game. And so he's also playing in the SEC, um, which there's some good players there. But I don't know if you would say it's like the best basketball conference per se. Um and I think, like, what was it, like, over four rebounds um, for his length and size is, like, okay, um, pretty good. And so, like, maybe that will – you see, like, he's he works, I think. and uh, But I agree, it's right now limited because of his strength. But it's not bad by any means. Yeah. Yeah, and I – I uh, I have a lot of notes on his defense, like, that making things a swing factor, like, you know, the adding the strength. Uh, he's really good at closeouts. I think that's a plus for him. That's not necessarily the on-ball part. But uh, my biggest issue is that when you get him, and obviously this kind of varies based on who he's guarding, uh, but when he's on someone who has a really quick first step, uh, I'm blanking on who it was that, that it drew my attention. I wanted to say it was someone in SEC Big 12 challenge maybe he was guarding Dotson or something I think that's who they played or no they played uh Tech and I think he had Ramsey and Ramsey has a good first step I think and Ramsey just cruised by him a couple times uh so I do worry about how much of uh of a first step you know how much that'll impact him on defense and obviously in the NBA almost everybody has a quick first step so that'll be interesting but as he had strength maybe he can make up for it on that yeah, and one area I want to see him improve as an on-ball defender is is getting through screens. I thought there were times where where he would get hung up on on those on-ball screens. Um, but on the flip side, I thought as as someone who chases off-ball, I thought he got through the screens really well, which was kind of interesting. Like his footwork was totally different, and 
Maybe it's because he's used to running off screens offensively himself and he kind of knows what to look for there. Um, but, you know, I, like I was watching the, the Louisville game as an example, and he's chasing guys all over the court. And, and then at one point he gets put on, uh, I want to say it was on Jordan Wara, and, um, you know, was, was doing an excellent job of denying that first pass. Um, and so those things, when he plays with that kind of intensity, um, you know, th- those are things I really like to see that, you know, maybe he can take away, a, you know, a really dynamic shooter, you know, with with that ability to chase and then the length, obviously, when closing out to bother the, uh, to bother the shot. Um, did, did you guys see that, too? Yeah, I think with the plus four, plus five, plus six, whatever the wingspan is that we discussed, like he should be able to make do well in closeouts and make an impact off ball, whether that be passing lanes or just sort of making it difficult on defenders, whether they're going to drive or kick out. So I think that's something that he should be able to do. Um, Hopefully for him, I guess you could say at a higher (laughs) level than not. Yeah, and I, I do, uh, like I said, I mean, I like his closeouts. I think he's really hard on closeouts. Uh, I, I do have a little bit of concerns about how he recovers if, you know, he bites too hard on a closeout and then they just cruise around him. Uh, but I guess that'll kind of, you know, impact him more or less depending on who's behind him uh, on the second line. Okay, and so where I'm really concerned about him defensively is is as a team defender. Uh, there were times where he he would turn away from the ball and and you know you can't do that see man see ball and then there were times where I'm sitting there watching and I'm like did they just go zone or something because he's just kind of sitting in the middle of the floor and then I'm like no everyone else is is playing man I, I just don't think he knows what's going on um, did did you guys see that as well no I hold on that. <laughs> No, I mean, I didn't notice it that much, but I feel like that's definitely makes sense that that could be a problem with someone who's so long. They think they can overcompensate at times. You know, I'm like, I can be like that safety per se on D. I didn't see it, but I believe you that that's something that could be an issue. Yeah, and he, I know he likes going for steals, so that also could have been, like, like Noah said, I mean, trying to use his length a little bit too much. Uh, I could definitely see that as something, as an issue. It's not something I noticeably saw uh, that stuck out or anything, but it sounds kind of right. <laughs> well, I, I tend, I, I noticed it more when it was, it was late in the shot clock, and I think he was maybe trying to make a play. Um, it wasn't something that, I, you know, was happening all the time, and I think for the most part, he's he's a fine team defender. He seemed locked in outside of, you know, the occasional, you know, turning his head and, and missing something, but... Um, it was something I noticed as I was like, what, where are you, where are you going? <laughs> so, um, but, but ultimately, so, uh, no, I don't know if you have like a big board per se, but, um, you know, where do you kind of, how would you grade him as a prospect? Like where, where would you feel comfortable taking him? Not necessarily where you think he'll go, but where do you feel comfortable? Um, probably like mid early early second round around somewhere in there like I don't think I would take him in the first round by any means but well, would you take I him just at think, 31 
I don't know that I love him for the Mavs specifically. Okay. Um, so probably not. Um, I just think we need more, like, outside other than just shooting. And I think we can find a shooter. And we need, like, the playmaking and other stuff to, like, give Luca a rest off ball every once in a while. Yeah. Richard, where do you have him ranked? So I have him at 48, but I actually think he goes first round. I, my hot, one of my Ooh. hot takes that the Lakers take him at 28. I think it's just a match made in heaven. You know, they kind of they take a gamble at the uh, that maybe he's one of those guys that overachieves from his Kentucky time and you know takes advantage of I guess uh, or they take advantage of him having a lower stock, uh, which is crazy that the SEC player of the year was like completely underutilized, but. Uh, <laughs> But I think they could use him right away. Uh, you know, at the shooting next to LeBron would be perfect. Super limited role. I think they tried it with Troy Daniels. Was it last year? Or maybe they had him before LeBron, and I'm making this up. Uh, but, you know, they've always searched for shooters next to him. Good played upside, potentially, if all of that stuff comes together. Uh, that, you know, underutilized Kentucky in the defense. So, but I could also see him going, like, to the Magic at 45. Okay. So, it's, so, it's a wide, I don't think he gets past that. Okay. Um... So did what was there any player comparison that stuck out when you watched him? There there really wasn't for me, but uh, did either of you see any like oh he kind of reminds me of so and so? I didn't particularly, but for some reason the Lakers also came to mind for me, and I think that we talked about the second line. So like AD, Javale, Dwight Howard would probably be good in that second line to cover some of those issues. But for me, I felt that he could be somewhere on the Lakers, specifically in between KCP and Avery Bradley. Like, not as good of a defender as Avery Bradley. And, like, maybe, like, a shorter kind of, like, just stretch the floor version of KCP for them in a way. I don't think he's exactly either of those players. But in the role, if we're trying to make comparisons, which always put people in trouble, then like, <laughs> that's where that's what I would do. It's what the fans want, though. (laughs) I like that. I actually, for him, I had a hard time uh, picking, you know, like I do a floor and ceiling uh, comparisons. I had four guys that I listed. I doubled down on each one. Um, But for point guard, or I'm sorry, for floor, I used a point guard uh, that's not really a point guard, but Bryn Forbes on the Spurs, you know, pure shooter. Uh, I think that's like his worst end scenario, not a good defender at all. Uh, And then if you all remember Sean Kilpatrick from a few years ago, I think he played for the Nets. He was like an automatic score. And then for my ceiling, uh, since he has the length kind of off point guard, but he can play point guard, uh, I put Evan Fournier, which is also why I really want him in Orlando. That's like if he really hits, everything comes together. He has the same floater. They both have elite floaters, really good jump shots, uh, kind of create, but not really athletic and horrible defenders. And then at my last comparison, and this one is, if the if he's only a shooting specialist, Marco Bellinelli. But that's that's a little bit harder. I'm not confident in that one, uh, just because of, I mean we talked about it the, the around screens and movement threes. That's Bellinelli's gameplay. That's if quickly you know hits on that. Okay, so a bit all over the place. Yeah. So, you know, take take what you will from that. Um, yeah, I, I would kind of agree. I gave him a second round grade. You know, I probably feel comfortable taking him like in the 40 range. Um, I'm just not convinced it all comes together for him. Um, I think the shot's good. Not, I, I don't think it's as good as the numbers indicate. Um, 
and you know ju- just contextually you know how how it would translate into you know can he do anything other than stand in the corner and shoot threes um and so you know there's a chance that the defense comes together as well and so you have a nice little role player but i just don't really see the path for him to you know ever crack a starting lineup or anything like that so um Unless you guys have anything else, I think that that wraps up the book on quickly and we can get into uh, Noah's favorite uh, college basketball player, Cassius Winston. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Noah's a big Michigan fan. So he was saying he, he goes, man, I hate Cassius Winston. And I was like, like, you don't think he's good? And he's like, no, he's just annoying. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. taking the taking the, uh, you know. The, the maize and blue glasses off. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, you know, you obviously saw a lot of him. So what are, what are your thoughts on him, you know, as a player? Yeah, I think this one's tough because every time you watch him in college, he's controlling the game completely. He's, he's out there putting up, I think it was over 18 points this year. Um, he had one year over seven assists. Like he was one of the best players in college almost every year that he played, maybe like last two years. And shooting was really good, but he's short. He's not a great athlete. I, I don't know who he's really going to be guarding in the NBA. And so that's going to be tough for him to earn minutes. But like in a, in like a backup role, I think that there's a, world where he's still able to navigate some pick and rolls and make the right decisions the problem is that he's short and so is he really going to be able to see over a lot of defenders which is tough I mean for like Mavs at least every time you watch Luca, you're seeing him make these crazy passes but he's six seven maybe taller so like it's a lot easier to make those passes and so Mm. that's just unfortunate for I guess him as a prospect himself is that he's on the shorter side of things Unfortunate from the draft lens, fortunate from the Michigan lens, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I that was really well said. I mean, I like I like Winston a lot. You know, uh, I I want to make a cheesy IQ joke. I really do, but I do think he, we talked about you know Emmanuel quickly having the best floater in the draft. I think Cassius Winston has arguably the best basketball IQ in the draft. Like I've never seen someone take so many people out of a play offensively uh, in college. And then I know this kind of jumps the gun a little bit. I know we'll get to shooting, but he's one of uh, a few people this decade to get 50, 40, 90. He did it as a sophomore, which is insane in college. I mean, obviously at any level, but, and he's done 50, 40, 80 also. So that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. So as, as a senior in 30 games, 33 minutes a game, shot 45% from the field on 14 attempts, uh, 43% from three on five and a half attempts, 85% from the line on four and a half attempts. 18.6 points, six rebounds, two and a, or sorry, six assists, two and a half rebounds, and a, a little over a steal a game. Back-to-back years of over 18 points uh, and six assists. Uh, like you said, as a junior, he had the the seven and a half assist uh, season. Um, so the numbers have been there for Winston. Um, I know we normally talk about like player comparisons and stuff later, but you know he's he is not this player. But just from the standpoint of like being short and like kind of that like slim fat type like body type, like I'm like, he kind of looks like Chris Paul. Like he's not Chris Paul. 
but but he kind of looks like you know and kind of the way he navigates the pick and roll like he's you know not the athlete Chris is but um you know there's there's something like it's clear that's who he models his game after as as an undersized league guard right I think he did some interview with someone on ESPN and they like spent half the time reviewing Chris Paul's film and he said that he models his his game after Chris Paul which you can definitely see I mean 6-1 with and he does have a plus wingspan I I had him at a 6-4 wingspan but you know be coming into the NBA at 23 years old um you know some some teams don't love that but um you know let's let's kind of get into the uh to the evaluation a little bit for me he's an elite shooter um, he can he can shoot from anywhere on the floor and off the dribble, catch and shoot, whatever it is. Um, and so I think coming into the NBA, that already gives him a really solid baseline of um, of scoring. You know, he's going to be able to to shoot at the next level. Um, did you guys see that as well? Yeah, I thought he was a good shooter. He I watched him kill John Teske on switches all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you gotta give uh, you gotta give Noah a warning when you're gonna trigger him, man. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Looks like he's about to explode. <laughs> See, I have I have one concern with his shot, which is that his base is kind of wonky. Uh, like his feet are kind of all over the place. Kind of looks like a dog swimming. Uh, like sometimes, <laughs> like, and I mean that in the nicest way. I, I, that probably wasn't the nicest thing to say, though. <laughs> but no, I had to I had to help you here with the Michigan stuff. So. <laughs> No, but I mean, thank base, you, thank you. The base worries me. Uh, that's really the only part of the shot I don't like. Everything else is good. I think he has a high enough release, not a high release, but a high enough release for someone six one to make it okay. And he gets a lot of lift, so. Yeah, and I, I think he was in the ninety seventh percentile in um, in jump shots this year, according to Synergy. So, um, you know that that part of his game is going to translate. Um, no, I'll, I kind of want to revisit. You talked about he navigates the pick and roll really well in college, um, and you were maybe concerned about seeing over length at the NBA level. But but do you think if he's kind of like the offensive engine for a second unit, um, that he can kind of he can kind of take that role? Yeah, I definitely think so. And I don't know why, but for some reason, I was like. Well, maybe one of these teams that has a bunch of young guards should take him to be like their veteran backup, even though he's never played in the NBA before. <laughs> but I feel like, like, for example, like the Cavs, I don't even think have a second round pick and they're obviously not taking him in the top 10. But for some reason, I was like, wow, I feel like he could help Sexton and Garland like a lot, even though he's never played in the NBA before. So I think that running those second units, obviously he's not Jalen Brunson, like they're different players, but like an older guy who succeeded in college and like just understands the game, I think could like helps him. Yeah. Then, then, you know, that's spot on. Like he's already a 10 year vet. Like he's not like Ellis <laughs> where he looks like a 10 year vet. He actually like plays like a 10 year vet, you know? And, uh, and I, I actually like Cleveland though. Like you said, like he, he's older than all those guards, like, which is crazy to think. Cause I mean, I think you said what Jared, he's 23, 22. 20, like, he'll, be, he'll be 23 by, by his rookie season, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's he, he comes in with immediate impact in that. Like, he is a, already a valuable backup point guard. Um, so do you, do you see him being 
obviously not a, at a starters level, but but can he be a three level scorer? You know, in that bench role, like is he someone who can score around the basket, or um, you know, do you think he's he's kind of limited to more perimeter scoring? I think I'd want to see more how he adjusts. Like the speed will probably be faster. The guys inside will be bigger. Um, like the the Big Ten had like a lot of heavy-footed big men. I feel like other than maybe like I don't know. I mean, they have what like Wesson and Teskey and what is it like Jalen Smith or like yeah. the, the big big guys there. And like some of those are like he's Cassius is slow, but like they're they could be slower potentially some of them so I think it's at the be he'll have to adjust and it'll be interesting to see but I don't think he'll be scared to like he understands how to run the floor so like let's say he's on Philly for example and Tobias and Al Horford are clogging the lane like I think he would know to tell them to get the heck out and be able to make that pass to him be down low and then they trade him because uh that's Philly right no I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no but I agree like He's not scared to take it to the rim, and, like, he's not a good finisher at the rim. He shot 52% there, which, again, like, not that's not even 10% difference between that and the three-point success kind of, like, quickly. Um, but he's crafty, and, you know, he's not he's not the quickest guy, but he has a really quick change of direction, which makes me think he could be almost like a J.J. Barea at the rim, where he'll just fake you out enough to get the open shot, where <laughs> you just kind of follow him enough, and you're just gone. Yeah, he's super crafty, and that that's going to have to be kind of his bread and butter at the next level, I think, um, you know, to, to create that little bit of space. Um, you know, kind of going back to the pick and roll, you know, where it might – like he's not going to b- blow by anybody one-on-one, but but creating that space the way he kind of snakes the pick and roll and, and can kind of keep defenders on him and, and get into the lane that way. Um, again, something that kind of reminded me of, of something Chris Paul basically mastered um, and, and kind of paved the way for guys like Cassius to to do those things. Um, you know, that to me is how he's going to, you know, create a shot outside of, um, you know, open jumpers. Um, so, you know, as far as scoring goes, it's it's almost shot or bust for me. Um, but you know, again, I really trust the shot. So it's, it's not something I'm worried about. Um, again, somebody who's never averaged fewer than five assists per game in college, even as a, as a freshman playing 20 minutes a game, he averaged five assists per game. Um, is, is the, the playmaking something you trust to translate, you know, again, especially like taking context of, you know, him running a second unit. Yeah, I think I don't know if I'm expecting him to have big assist numbers, but I don't think he's he's not going to make the a ba- many bad passes per se. Like I think he understands, okay, like I'm not going to turn this over, so he'll be able to do that. And I think that like you could be like, well, why did the assists go down even though it was only one and a half? Like he's on the ball a lot and he was like probably their main scorer this year also as opposed to when he played with like we talked about Jaron Jackson Jr. Bridges so I think that I don't know he'll be like an elite playmaker, but he'll always he'll make the right pass more so than not. I don't know what you guys think about him playing off the ball ever because he didn't really have to do it at all in college. 
yeah, I'm really interested to see how he plays off ball as well, just because kind of like how we talked about with quickly at Kentucky, uh, where he wasn't used the same way he like, I guess will be used in the NBA. That is going to be a huge area. Uh, like, I don't know what his catch and shoot numbers were this year. Uh, I'll have to, I guess, post that. With, they were, they were elite. They were elite. Okay. So that, yeah, you said 97th percentile, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So never mind. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's really good. Uh, and that's not something that just happens, you know? Uh, but as the playmaking, you know, in a league that's huge with pick and rolls, like you said, Jared, I mean, he completely manipulates it. Uh, I think he's a huge part of why Xavier Tillman is a first round prospect. I think he doesn't get enough credit for that. Uh, you know, the, just the, cr- the crafty passes he makes at the rim, like he can do a wraparound, no problem. He can do pass out to the corner. He can pass anywhere on the court. Like, again, despite his size, he can do anything as a playmaker almost. Yeah, I think I kind of tend to lean towards what Noah was saying about I'm not really expecting to see these remarkable, you know, Luca-esque cross-court passes. But, you know, simple things like, you know, I, I just watched part of the Wisconsin game again, um, you know, and it was simple pick and roll and without any hesitation, dumping it off to earth was a pick and pop, actually dumping it off to the big man to, to take the open three. It's, you know, the being quick and, and decisive um, and making the correct decision. And he does it just about every time, which um, has a lot of value in its own right. You know, if you're not turning the ball over and you're not giving up easy points coming the other way, um, which is going to be big for him because he, he sucks on defense. <laughs> it's just bad. <laughs> I mean, um, it wasn't really his fault, like, which, unfortunately, he's said a lot about a lot of it bad. Well, he's just small and he's slow. Yeah. So, like, yeah. what, you know, you, you can't do com- anything about that. Yeah, it's not a good combination. It hurts players in the NBA that it's not their choice. Uh, I, I think his best case scenario for defense is that he just adds weight and kind of does what JJ Berea does, where, or did where he'll just kind of body guys up and just completely trick him where a five foot 10 guy listed as six feet uh, comes at you and it's just going to completely reverse the roles. I think that's Winston's best, you know, defensive upside. Are you talking about JJ Brea tricking his, like the person he's guarding or the refs with his flops? <laughs> a little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of both. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. That's, Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, do you think do you think an NBA team is going to be able to hide him defensively? I mean, it depends. Like, let's say we've seen like the Rockets play. They find the matchup they want and they bring you to the pick and roll and they will keep running it until they get that switch. So, like, if the Rockets win this series, is that going to be like a trend that more teams follow? Not that I think they're going to, but um, so. I think in at times, like if he's a good enough shooter, if he's like as elite again, and he, there's like a place where he could, like he could be hidden for a few minutes depending on the matchups. But it's gonna be like pick and choosing because if he can't guard anyone, then it's gonna be a problem. Yeah. Yeah, and I think. It's, oh, sorry. No, no, you, you go, you go. I was gonna say I think it depends on the team. Uh, just like I mean, if you, like you said, if he goes to Cleveland. Uh, it's not going to be good. His defense is going to be the worst case scenario. But if he goes to like the Lakers, I mean, again, like we said with quickly, like he's got such a line of defense around or second line of defense around him that he can afford to 
make any mistakes. Like he can just do him, you know? Yeah. And the interesting thing about him is, you know, you have guys who are really smooth and, and make things look easy and, and he's that way, but to the point where it looks like he's giving like zero effort. And so there were times where I was like, does he just not care about defense or is that just like his demeanor? Um, but, but what did you guys think? I mean, I would probably say that he cares about defense, but it probably just kind of the body language that he's going to be more offensive minded. And that's his go-to that he knows he had guys on defense that can make up for his mistakes. Yeah. I don't know like necessarily what his like conditioning was or whatnot, but he is putting in an insane amount of effort on offense every single play, especially for Michigan state. And so, and he knows that he has to carry the load there. So is it a knock on him that he, maybe he took a play or two off and that's what you're seeing. Um, I don't know. That's, it could be a separate conversation altogether, but I think he cares about winning like a lot for whenever, sure. like he definitely is really motivated for the wins. Yeah. So, you know, obviously on ball defense is going to be a huge problem for him. And again, nothing you can do about just being undersized and not a good athlete. Um, you know, but does is there some saving grace there as a team defender at all? Because, I mean, he averaged over a steal a game despite being, you know, tiny. I think that goes back to the basketball IQ. I think the because he understands how to read the pick and roll so well when he has the ball, he knows probably, like, the first three options that the opposing point guard is going to do coming off of the screen. And so he's able to anticipate a little bit. Yeah, he has really strong anticipation. I think that was the word I was going to use. So I I like that, but it's kind of, I guess, some nights it'll take him far, some nights it'll just burn him. Okay. So, I mean, ultimately, you know, with him, you're getting an offensive engine who, you know, you're going to have to live with the the issues defensively. Um, You know, the question is, do you guys feel that that he offers – enough offensively to accept that trade-off. I think so. I think that, like, his he's best in a second unit. I mean, Noah, you said it best. You want him kind of running the second unit. You don't want him being a starter. Unless, you know, some major changes and he develops really well. Uh, I think a second unit role is kind of best for him. I agree. I think, like... There's a world in which he goes to a team that has other good defenders. And so it's not the end of the world. Like for the Mavs, per se, we have a lot of really great shooters and we have arguably like the best court general in the entire league. So do we really need like another person that's liability on defense? Probably not. Yeah, and I would agree. He's he's probably not a good fit in Dallas for those reasons. Um I think if you didn't have like a Jalen Brunson type, then he would make a lot of sense. I, I think it was clear the Mavericks missed Brunson in the playoffs. Uh, they missed that secondary playmaker. And I, I think, you know, someone like a Tyrese Maxey, who I'm going to come back to, still makes a lot of sense because he offers you some some defensive upside. Um, but I'm with you guys. So, you know, what what team do you think he could go to and where you would say, OK, I, I like. I like this fit for Cassius. Yeah. So I think there's a few interesting ones. Um, I also like in the second round. So 
the Sixers have like a ton of <laughs> second round picks. And I don't know that taking Simmons off the ball is like the greatest thing ever, but for unless they get like a really good player. But it seems like they need shooting. You can shoot and they need just players that know what's going on and they don't have like a really good bench. And I think that that could be interesting with, you know, him and Embiid on, or in small stretches or they have good defenders around them too where he could maybe be more hidden more. So that could be interesting. And then one that I thought could be kind of cool if he falls like later in the second round um, would be like the Warriors have a few picks late in the second round. And just because he can shoot and he can like run and like that, like anyone that can shoot can succeed in that kind of offense. And it could be kind of cool to see him just firing threes, like even though I hate the Warriors, but that could be interesting as well. And then if he finds his way on the Thunder, like happy for him because he gets to play with his comparison that we've been talking about even though they have so many so many guards but there's they do have a late second round pick too that could be cool if he falls yeah so no thank you to the warriors uh, I'm gonna protect- <laughs> <laughs> i like uh i like the entire 40 to 45 range honestly you're like 39 really taking out the grizzlies uh, i think new orleans is really good for him san antonio would be incredible with popovich uh and then sacramento could always use another uh, just a heady player I really like Chicago as a fit, uh, just because they don't have a true point guard, I don't think. And then lastly, Orlando, because they uh, they don't really have enough shooting. So I, I think really that entire 39 to 45 kind of range is a prime window for him to be taken if someone's going off of need. You want everyone to go to Orlando. Hey, what, what, are, you trying to make, <laughs> what are you trying to say here? Magic draft here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm a Magic fan. I don't, I don't know if that's uh, – <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, anything else that you guys wanted to add uh, about Cassius Winston? Go blue. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Since he's Noah's favorite player to ever uh, touch a college court. Um, awesome. So, so that that pretty much wraps up uh, this week's episode. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed listening to that. Uh, you can find Noah at Noah R fifty six on Twitter. Um, check out his stuff at uh, the Smoking Cuban. Um, you know, any any last words for for the people listening? Thanks for having me on. Thanks for the the plug. Appreciate it. It was fun. Enjoyed it. Yeah, make sure you go give him a follow. Um, he he doesn't have nearly enough for the uh, for the amount of uh, insight he provides. So um, get on that Mavs draft fans. Uh, you know, you can find Richard at Mavs draft. Um, and uh, at the website mavsdraft.com I am Jared underscore cats 30 uh, don't follow me I'm, I'm not that great but the other two guys definitely give them a follow <laughs> um, yeah Noah thanks for coming on Richard yeah whatever um, <laughs> no I'm kidding it was a pleasure as always uh, thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to y'all next time <laughs>